Hello, all you beautiful body bastards, and welcome back to Body Ballads, where we look at many of the forgotten, hilarious, and often dirty old songs of the past. Along the way, we'll explore all those things that make life just a little bit more interesting. There's trickery, infidelity, loving, drinking, and fighting. While we dig deep into these songs, we'll talk about all kinds of things along the way. Archetypes, history, folklore, and we'll share the way these songs connect with the present. A fair warning before we begin, this show does discuss, discuss adult themes and topics, including violence, sex, and my own foul mouth. As always, make sure to check the show notes for links, including to bodyballads.com, where you can share your creations with me and see the show transcripts and additional links if you're curious to know more. Now, let's get on today's episode, uh, episode six, where we look at golden booties or cougar hunting. Cougars, MILFs, sugar mamas. It's one of those relationship dynamics that is always there and always just on the edge of acceptability. And as today's ballad proves, it's been a standard comedic archetype for a bit. So today we're looking at uh, a pleasant new ditty entitled, Though Rich Golden Booties Your Luck Was to Catch, Your Last Was the Best Because You Met With Your Match. It's a very rhymy, rhymy title, but... um. If you've noticed, the titles do get long, and I usually shorten them down. The tune of today's song is to I Know What I Know, which we don't have an example of. I wish I did have an example of this tune, because it sounds like it was probably pretty good. The song is published somewhere between 1634 and 1658. And with all that said, let's get to the song. A rich, wealthy bachelor... Thirty and odd, had now a new crochet crept into his pate. A wife he must have, whatsoever betide, and well lined with rubbish to enrich his state. Fair maidens were offered him, two, three, and four, sufficient men's daughters with money to boot. Yet his greedy mind did still gape after more. For he said twas too little for him to go tote, his means did afford him three hundred a year, and three bonny lasses had thousands apiece. Yet for it and him, them, he a pen did not care. Though one of them was to a gentleman niece. Shall I for paltry poor thousand pound a young wench go marry with nothing but breed? Consume me in longings and fashions and toys? No. Yet it is time, and now I will take heed. There is a brisk widow that dwelleth hard by, and money hath ten thousand pounds in the least. I'll spruce myself up, then incontinently, and to her I'll go as a shuddering guest. This bachelor soon did attain his desire. The day was appointed when they should be wed. His youthful fair bride was threescore and ten. For she had but a tooth and half in her head. Some three or four years did this bonny last live. Then grim Goodman death took her life clean away. And grief for her loss had the man almost sped. But that a new widow his journey did stay. His wife being buried next morning he went. Another spruce widow again for to see. Where mounted on crutches, he straight one espied, who in state of riches was better than she. His mother's smock sure did this widower wear, 
For no sooner wooed, but he presently sped, a license he fetched, and he married her straight. Then she threw down her stilts, and she hobbled to bed, not full ten years older than was his last wife. Was this same dried mummy that lay by his side, with snorting and grunting she ere sewed the bed, that never had groomed such a night by a bride? But still did her money perfume all again, and in a month after she bed, did, bed rid did lie. Seven winters and summers she lay at small ease, and then she departed because she must die. Five hundred a year she augmented his state, ten thousand pound clear by the other he got. Meantime another spruce widow he heard, then he prayed unto Jove that she might be his lot. This widow seemed not above fifty at most, so spruce and so neat was her carcass bed rest. She wanted no means for to set her to sail. They liked and were married. Now mark well the rest. She seemed so complete and so comely of shape that he doted on her more than both the rest. She said then, sweet husband, be not you dismayed, for the truth must be known when you see me undressed. Two rows of white teeth she took out her mouth and put them straight into a little round box. A glass eye likewise she pulled out her head, which made the man fear that his wife had got knocks. Her poltered curled locks that so fair did appear came off with more ease than a new scalded pig. I wonder her husband could laughing forbear when he saw his wife look like an ostrich egg. Then straightway down stooped this comely sweet bride, unlacked and ungirded, her neat wooden leg. The bridegroom was like to run out his wits, for his eyes never before did behold such a hag. Then for to revive him, unto him she flung, her keys that did lead him to a treasure great store. This made him to love her, so both went to bed, where he did embrace her. What, would you have more? Such luck had this husband to tumble them o'er that ere one month ended she changed her life. A wealthy miser invited him home and said, If you please, sir, I'll show you a wife. He showed him his daughter, a girl of fifteen, but she would no liking nor favor him show. Her friends made the match and they married with speed, but she never endured him. I tell you but so. This young married wife to such cunning was grown that she fell a-longing for his coin for to waste. French kickshaws of ten-pounded dish she would have, with other dear meats, for to fit her fine taste. No physic, no doctors, no cost did she spare. On pride and new fangles she set her delight. Her husband began for to savor of fear, and to wish that she ne'er had been seen in his sight. No love nor no liking this young wife e'er had, because she was forced to be wed to her hate. He sickened and died and laid in his grave, so she did enjoy his three widows' estate. A young man that first was this maiden's true love, with all expedition they made their dispatch. For wedding and bedding they both were agreed, and the three widows' husband did meet with his match. Now, this song is not the easiest to uh, speak through, first of all. Uh, it, you can kind of see how it didn't, there's a lot there's a lot going on, but it's, it's also hilarious. Um, especially when she starts taking off her, her wig and is 
<laughs> looks like an ostrich egg. The visuals are stunning, but it would never work as like a, a, a modern kind of song because it's far too complicated. And one of the things, if you've been paying attention that happens with these songs is that as they move down the centuries, they get simplified. Um, popular music is far more simplified now than it was. Um, traditional ballads are much more story-like. Um, one of the reasons why, uh, I don't sing them. Um, and so, yeah, anyways, so as a single woman approaching her forties, I have to give love to this archetype and this cougar archetype that we're talking about, um, which of course did not exist as a really, I mean, it existed as an archetype, but it definitely didn't have the name cougar when this was first published. But she isn't the witch using dark magical powers to capture her desire. She owns her desire, both internally and externally. While at one point she may have been the maiden blindly and hopefully romantic, she's now seen enough of the world to know that romance is never exactly as it seems. She's been married before, gone through all the bullshit, and come out stronger on the other side. The same as the final young wife does in the end, really. She has an understanding of the financial aspects of a relationship and doesn't feel shame in using it to her power. I actually watched a great Wisecrack video lately that I've linked in the show notes that does a really great job of showing just how much economics and ideas um, relating to our worth and talking about dating as in what I'm worth, as in a, like we're a financial bargain uh, is still a thing that we do in modern relationships. The cougar carries this deeply sensual awareness around her, aware of the nature of sexual relationships and the nature of male desire, which gives her a power that can be terrifying. Perhaps that's why society loves to mock it so much. Laughter is the fear killer. You can't be afraid of the sexually empowered woman if you're making fun of the fact that she's no longer young and therefore no longer quote-unquote valuable. Power and value are important here because while the young man thinks he's taking advantage of these women to gain their money, these older women know exactly what they will or will not put up with and exactly what they are getting for their money. This is the same kind of energy of Like a Girl by Lizzo and I think that any of the women in this song, that probably would have been like one of their power anthems. So why the hell is society so damn scared of a cougar? Is it because it makes them think of the Oedipus complex? So in case you've never taken any intro to psychology courses, the, the Oedipus complex was cooked up by Freud and argues that every man harbors a secret sexual desire for his mother. It's based on the story of Oedipus Rex by Sophocles, which involves a prophecy at Oedipus's birth that he was destined to kill his father and marry his mother, which of course happens as a direct result of trying to avoid it, which is just so typical of fate. Anyways, Oedipus Complex. I don't buy this as a strong contender for why society seems a bit averse to older women and younger men. Then there's the idea that it's because it takes eligible young men away from the marriage market for younger women, which is definitely hinted at here. It's understandable, especially historically, where getting your daughter to become someone else's concern was, well, a main concern. 
However, it doesn't take into account the even more common older men with younger women dynamic. If there's a stronger argument here, it would be of older men taking younger women from young men. This, though, goes back to a core element of historical marriage standards, where a man getting married later was typical so that he had time to establish himself to the point of being able to actually support a wife and family. It was also important to get a girl married earlier in order to avoid possible pregnancies out of wedlock, as well as increase her chances of surviving childbirth. I think there are a couple main reasons, really, that society finds the cougar so frightening, both of which deal explicitly with social power. First, from the masculine side of things, it's toppling over the idea of the man holding the wisdom, money, and control in a relationship. An older woman has her own wisdom and experience, making it harder for her to control, even if she doesn't have her own money. She, served, she has survived a lot of shit, and she knows she can survive a lot more shit. She's not easily scared. A woman with her own money is independent, not relying on a husband to keep her off the streets. So in this topsy-turvy power dynamic, there's this sense of masculine power being displaced or destroyed. Now, in terms of female power, beauty has always been a key point of power. The more a woman fits with her society's beauty standards, the more value she has in the marriage market. However, a more mature woman, one outside of social standards of beauty, who is still able to grab the attention of desirable males, also grabs the ire of younger women who place their entire value on beauty and male attention. And I just randomly thought of Regina George and her mother from Mean Girls. And that is really close to the kind of energy present in this dynamic. The older woman is getting looked at as foolish and ridiculous as a way to cut down her power. Um, this saying, uh, <laughs> mutton dressed as lamb, also comes to mind um, as a way to kind of cut down that kind of power. And if you're not familiar with this term, it's, it's much more popular in the UK than it is in the US. But it's the idea of mutton, which is a full-grown sheep, um, being dressed as a lamb, which is a young, sweet thing, right? Anyway. So, anything that throws off cultural standards of social power and control is going to make a lot of people who buy into that very nervous. Hell, just scroll through the comments on any kind of beauty positivity social media post and you're guaranteed to find an outrage. Despite all that, it's important to note that all of this is changing as society begins to slowly embrace love in all its forms. The cougar-cub relationship is becoming less and less of a joke because it's more common. Yeah, but also, who the hell cares? We've got way bigger things to worry about than who's giving it to who, if you ask me. There are, of course, songs today about this, with Miss Robinson, probably one that immediately comes to mind. However, the one I think of is Fat Bottom Girls, where Mercury sings the praises of Big Fat Fanny, who was such a naughty nanny. Now, I'm going to leave you today with a crossover food for thought type thing because it just dropped itself into my head. But do we have any songs or stories that capture the cuckold cougar cub dynamic, a.k.a. Uh, Pinkett Smith? I mean, we obviously are into that kind of juicy scandal still, but are there any stories that really explore it? 
perhaps something that gives a deeper view into the whys. If you can think of any, or if you write one, for the love of God, send them in and share them with me. Those can be sent to either bodyballads at gmail.com or submissions at bodyballads.com. All that said, I give you all a saucy goodbye for now. And as always, check the show notes and bodyballads.com for links to songs and additional readings. Bye!